Hello and welcome. You're listening to the podcast where being labeled a heretic is a good thing. We're starting conversations about God, politics, sexuality, spiritual formation, how we got here, and how to move forward post-evangelicalism. Nothing is off-limits in our conversations with scholars, seekers, activists, and writers in our quest to uncover the heart of faith. Welcome to Holy Heretics. Welcome to Season 3 of Holy Heretics Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Allen Taylor. And two years ago, we launched this space to explore, experience, and cultivate a new kind of spiritual journey for those of us who consider ourselves ex-evangelicals. And over the last 54 episodes, I hope we've been able to expose some of the toxic patterns of belief within evangelicalism, as well as to point all of us toward healing from these communities and these belief systems. So if you're just joining us, feel free to go back before we go forward. There are some incredible episodes about power and politics and patriarchy with Jesus and John Wayne author Kirsten Cobes Dumay, as well as with CNN's Kirsten Powers. We've also talked about some of the moral reasons to flee evangelicalism with Brian Zahn and Brian McLaren and David Gushy. And we've even unpacked some of the hidden pillars of white supremacy with Lisa Sharon Harper and Dante Stewart. And on a personal level, uh, we talked about healing and spiritual journeys through looking at the Enneagram with Suzanne Stabile. And we dove into Buddhist teachings last year and Buddhist practices with Danielle Schroyer. So we've been fortunate over the last couple of years to have incredible guest voices join us and offer us new ways of seeing and being. And we've also had the incredible opportunity to have a couple of different co-hosts join me here um, on the show, the original brainchild and co-founder of the Sophia Society and Holy Heretics, Melanie Mudge, uh, joined us in season one. And then last year, Kelly Lamb joined us as co-host in season two. And and sadly, I, I have to announce that uh, as we said goodbye to Melanie after season one, we are now having to say goodbye uh, to, to Kelly in, in season three. Um, she has moved on in her career uh, to pursue a full-time role in climate care and environmental change. So, Kelly, we wish you uh, the, the fondest farewell and the incredible hope in the work that you are doing up in Vancouver to steward this incredible creation. So I know you're hopefully listening. And just so you know, this seat is still available for you. If you want to pop back in every once in a while, I would love to have you. So thanks for all that you did uh, and all of your wisdom in season two. So yeah, you're kind of stuck with me right now uh, for season three, which might be unfortunate for you because I sound like Kermit the Frog, I think. But, you know, that's okay. Um, as I began planning uh, season three and looking forward to like, okay, where are we? You know, we, we've deconstructed evangelicalism. We've healed a little bit in season two by looking at some trauma issues and resentment issues and and just rewilding our faith. So what's next? You know, where 
where is the natural next step for holy heretics, but maybe even more important for you in your own quest for spiritual renewal? And so to answer that question, I kind of started selfishly by asking, you know, what am I looking forward to? What's next for me? And and the answer, at least for me and my own personal experience, is I'm ready to begin a new faith-seeking journey. And so what I hope to do is allow us all to feel like we are on some kind of spiritual quest this this year, almost like a, a pilgrimage towards some sacred site where most of the fun is going to be journeying together. We are heading out into the unknown. We're going to talk about faith practices and spirituality from the margins and, and ways of seeing and experiencing the divine that many of us have just not been exposed to. So, May this season be a sort of hero's journey for you, for me, uh, for all of us as we step out into the spiritual unknown and and we begin to traverse these borderlands of faith that we've just never uh, experienced before. You are probably familiar with the archetypal monomyth story from Joseph Campbell, the, the hero's journey. And it's a story structure really as old as time. And today, almost every blockbuster movie from Lord of the Rings and Star Wars to Harry Potter follow Campbell's uh, mythic plotline. And in his writings and lectures, he eloquently revealed that some of the greatest questions of life, like our search for meaning, as well as the search for truth, beauty, and goodness, are all best expressed in mythic tales of adventure. So I'm, I'm inviting you on an adventure this season. I'm inviting you to participate in your own hero's journey as like Frodo and, and Luke Skywalker and other heroes in these, these stories, they wake up to a call, a call to embark on a journey of deep discovery and self-awareness. And in one way or another, in all of these movies and all of these stories, that hero needs a guide to come along and come to them to say, hey, look, you are stuck where you are. You're never going to become who you were born to be if you stay home. So wake up, dream, come with me on a trip, a journey of true discovery. And we all know that in each of these stories, whether it be Harry Potter or Luke Skywalker, um, that hero initially resists the call to leave behind the known world and those known beliefs. But ultimately, they set out. Uh, they join the guide and they set out on an epic journey where their character and their strength and their skills are tested they often struggle. They sometimes fail. Some of them even kind of die and are reborn. But with the assistance of faithful friends and most importantly, a, a trusted guide, our hero in all of these iconic stories overcomes fear, overcomes adversity. They defeat their enemy and they gain a, a sacred reward. And most of them return home triumphant, transformed, bringing with them a treasure to heal those they left behind. It's, of course, Frodo being beckoned by Gandalf on, on a quest to destroy the ring. 
It's Luke Skywalker and Yoda taking on the dark side. It's Odysseus and Athena. It's even the ancient story of Beowulf as Beowulf leaves Greatland to set out on an adventure to defeat Grendel. Harry Potter leaving ordinary England to be guided by Dumbledore at Hogwarts, Scout Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird, on and on. And all of these stories, again, follow the same mythic narrative. But it's a narrative that, that I believe is mirrored in each of our spiritual journeys. And the key to all these epic adventures is the guide, someone who is willing to come back to us. Someone who is already on the journey, who paused, returned, and said, I want you to come with me. I want to show you the way toward redemption and renewal. And the weird thing about most of these guides, both spiritually for us personally, as well as in literature and the movies, is almost all of them come from the margins, from outside the power structures and the dominant class. And the same is true for, for us today. If we continue to listen to the dominator class, to those in power, to the pastors and people within the evangelical empire, you are never going to set out on a quest for truth, beauty, and goodness. You're never going to leave because they don't want you to leave. They want you to stay put, to be obedient, to remain stagnant, and to be controlled. And these people represent the way things have always been, and honestly, in many communities, the way they always will be. They don't want change because change might upend the power structure. But real guides, these true prophets that call us to embark on a journey of sacred discovery, they almost always come from the margins, from outside the seats of privilege and power. And that's why uh, I've decided to dedicate this entire season to marginalized voices, to unrepresented individuals whose social, economic, sexual, race, body type, physical abilities, or gender have kept them on the periphery of spiritual conversations. We've never asked them to guide us because, well, we've kicked them out. Most of these individuals have either left church or were muzzled by institutional religion for not conforming to conventional Christianity. And, and even for us um, who potentially now within our journey of deconstruction, even for us who, who live now in a diverse community of believers, it's often hard to hear their voices because we may not – we just may not be listening. As human beings, we naturally gravitate toward people who look and talk and believe like us. And as we all know, in the process, though, we create echo chambers that confirm preconceived biases and beliefs, meaning that without knowing it, we create closed loop conversations about almost everything, especially spiritual things. And if I am honest, as a white cisgendered dude who lives in Colorado Springs, even though I am incredibly progressive, incredibly inclusive, I'm still myopic. I've still been trained to see and to be the center. And I think as white North American Christians, especially those of us who have come from privileged strata of society, we have to come to terms with the fact that our spirituality, my spirituality, is malformed by conventionality. 
that I am the beneficiary and the participant in a fixed orthodox belief system at the expense of everyone who doesn't look and taste and sound like me. But it's the very people on the periphery, these victims of our forced conformity, that have the eyes to see what many of us at the center simply can't see, even with great intentions. Bell Hooks wrote, to be in the margin is to be part of the whole, but outside the main body. And I think what that does is it gives these guides on the margin a very different vantage point from, from those of us at the center, because they have the, the power and the ability to see and create change. Diversity, equity, inclusion matter in, in all areas of life, but in particular in spirituality. We need these diverse and dissenting voices oftentimes to save us from ourselves because it was mainline Reformed Orthodox Christians that made a religious case for South African apartheid. It was the Southern Baptist Convention that created slaveholder religion. It was Southern Baptists in the 1960s who fought racial integration. And today, the most popular megachurches in America are normalizing Christian nationalism, violence, conspiracy theories, and a cult-like following of one of the most craven and depraved politicians in human history. That's the center. Those are the conventional voices within Christianity. That's the direction they're telling us to go. And it reminds me that there's a reason why liberation theology came from Latin America and not North America. It's because, for the most part, the homogenous masses, those at the center, are almost always wrong because they begin to develop theologies and practices to protect themselves. And in our quest to create a community of inclusion, it will require active and intentional and ongoing engagement with diverse voices and diverse bodies where everyone can feel an authentic sense of belonging and where everyone is welcome to participate and be heard and honestly be changed. And one way that you and I can evaluate whether or not that we are centering marginalized people in our daily lives and even in our spiritual lives is to ask ourselves a couple of questions. First question is simply, do I have friendships with people who are socially sexually, racially, and economically different than I am? And more importantly, am I allowing myself to be changed by knowing them? And from a spiritual perspective, who are you reading? Are you reading works from people whose gender and race and class and religion are different than yours? And if not, why not? What are we afraid of? And frankly, what are we not exposing ourselves to? And how is that limiting our growth? As I said earlier, those on the periphery of culture, of politics, of religion, they have a power to create change because they live outside the camp. And I think back to the God-made flesh. As a Christian, we believe in God coming to the world to be born in a backwater town on the outskirts of the Roman Empire. He was a poor, brown, colonized refugee. And I think that there is power on the margins because God enfleshed God's self in the margins. God loves the margins because God was marginalized. It was Jesus' second-rate existence that allowed him to see and feel what those at the center 
or sheltered from and thus callously indifferent to. Theologian Marcus Borg reminds us that Jesus was a teacher of world-subverting wisdom, and that wisdom was birthed in the borderlands of spirituality. So if those of us who are on this epic journey of rediscovering faith, if we really want to hear this God we say we love, then we better move to the margins. Because that is where God lives and moves and speaks and has her being. So that's where we're going in season three here at Holy Heretics. We are going to gather a group of misfits, a group of outcasts, a group of wise guides to take us on an incredible quest for spiritual renewal. And I want to leave you with a question that I hope we can discuss along the way. Like fellow pilgrims setting out on a long journey, we got a lot of time to kill. There's a lot of space for conversation. So my, my question to you as, as we start down the road is, why even pursue a spiritual quest? And what role does spirituality play in your life? And why is it even important? Why is it essential for you to find your own spiritual path? To help kind of answer that in part and to get you thinking for yourself, I was doing some research and the word spirituality means, of course, a lot of different things to different people. For some, spirituality is associated with religion, and that's okay, but it's often tied to concrete rites and rituals and beliefs and dogmas. For others of us, spirituality might mean including activities like swimming or walking or hiking, making art. I know last Sunday, my, my son and I uh, punted on going to church and instead had a spiritual experience by climbing one of the highest peaks here in Colorado. And we experienced the divine and the sacred and the natural world in, in beautiful, transformative ways. I didn't need to be in church and say the creed to do that. I experienced God outside of the church, and that's okay. But in our previous lives as evangelicals, spirituality had really become confused with religion. But those aren't necessarily the same, because at its core, spirituality is, in a sense, a a connection to something bigger, not only than ourselves, but it's even bigger than religion. It is the quest to tap into the wider web of reality. We've been fortunate here at Holy Heretics to join partnership with our monastic scholar in residence, Father Brendan E. Williams, who is a full-time monk and prior to the communion of the Mystic Rose. And he points out that true religion always points beyond itself. The genuine spirituality is always moving beyond to new possibilities and new experiences. This is mirrored in Buddhist monk and spiritual teacher Pima Chodron's book, When Things Fall Apart, when she writes, The spiritual journey involves going beyond hope and fear. It is stepping into the unknown. It's continually moving forward. The most important aspect of being on the spiritual path may just be to keep moving. Keep moving. Keep going keep growing, keep learning. And in a sense, I think that spiritual journey might feel like that you're setting out into a strange territory. 
that strange land where you're simultaneously feeling like you are really finally coming home to yourself. And in a way, I, I think that's what the spiritual journey is all about. It is about the long, slow, arduous, painful, and oftentimes eternal adventure of returning to yourself and returning to God. Or as Aldous Huxley wrote in his groundbreaking book, The Perennial Philosophy, about not only the sacred journey back to God, but this quest reveals who you are. And what I hope you will find on this journey is that in many ways, you've never, ever been disconnected from God. You've never left the divine presence. Your eternal self is related to and unified with God already. And this idea is, is actually replete throughout Christian history, but I think it might be best described in the Sanskrit formula tatvan asi, which translates, that art thou. I'll say that again. That art thou. In Huxley's words, the Atman, or your eternal self, is one with Brahman. Brahman being the absolute principle of all existence or God in our vernacular. And the last end of every human being is to discover that fact for himself or herself. It is to discover who we really are hidden with and unified with God all this time. In Christian terminology, we call this atonement, or literally, when the word is broken up, it means at one meant, at one meant. And it's the central aim of the Christian life, or as Father Brendan told me a few, a few weeks ago, all of us are on a quest to return to the divine image or imago Dei in which we were made, casting off the sinful shackles of ego and violence and separation that keep us from knowing that we are already in union with God. And so that is the quest. The quest is to return home, to return to your true self the one that has been hidden by ego and attachment and selfishness and violence and pride and even ignorance. So I hope that's what we are attempting to do this season, that we are attempting to return home to ourselves so that we can uncover the God who isn't out there somewhere separate from us, but the God who is already inside all of us. Thomas Aquinas, the 13th century theologian and scholar, wrote, The whole life of man is a return journey to God. We came from God, and we must go back to God. The more complete the return, the more intimate the union with God. And scholars refer to this idea as theosis. And it's mostly been largely misunderstood in the Western church, but the early church fathers believed that human beings could experience in the here and now, real and intimate union with God, and not just in heaven somewhere after, after we die, but right here and right now. And I think that you will know that you are on your way home, that you are on your way back to believing and living and experience that intimate union, that theosis with God, when suddenly, maybe out of nowhere, you begin to realize that love and compassion and grace and beauty and truth not only take root in your soul, but they become actualized in your daily life, where your entire being is transformed by goodness. 
So as we begin this odyssey in season three, uh, I hope you will let us come along with you, not as experts, but as fellow travelers, as seekers, searching for that authentic transformation and that intimate union with our creator. And along the way, we're going to be joined by experts, by scholars, by seekers themselves, who will point out maybe a different path through the wilderness. But I hope that you know this, that no one can tell you where you need to go. We might be able to show you a way, but you're going to need to muster all of your internal courage in the journey back to maybe meeting God again for the first time. So we invite you on the quest. We're excited. I can't wait to introduce you to the guides that will be joining us along the way. But I will leave you with a poem from one of my favorite guides, an Irish seer and poet, John O'Donohue, in his short work titled To Come Home to Yourself. And in the poem, he writes, May all that is unforgiven in you be released. May your fears yield their deepest tranquilities. May all that is unlived in you blossom into a future graced with love. Thanks for joining us on the journey. I look forward to the days and weeks to come as we walk together down these sacred pathways toward enlightenment and self-understanding. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us. This episode was produced by the Sophia Society and written by Gary Allen Taylor. Music is by Faith and Foxholes. If you need more resources to guide your spiritual journey, head to sophiasociety.org for articles, resources, and our free ebook on faith deconstruction. And before we go, will you consider joining us on Patreon? Your partnership allows us to continue creating this sacred space for seekers like you. By becoming a patron, you gain early access to each podcast episode, as well as premium content, and an exclusive invitation to join our monthly online community. Simply sign up at patreon.com slash holyheretics. See you next time.